This episode contains graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. What's up? Welcome to another episode of What the Actual F. My name is Harmony, and I will be your host here. If this is your very first time tuning into this podcast, welcome. It's so great to have you here. And you chose a pretty great episode, if I do say so myself, for your first time tuning in. But hey, I'm a little biased. So stick around, and uh, maybe you can let me know. And to all of the followers and longtime listeners of the podcast, hey boo, mwah. I love you. Now, usually, right about now, I would play an intro to set the mood for a crime that I would tell you about. However, today, things are going to be a little different. And with all that said, I think it's time we introduce Tinfoil Hats to this podcast. What do you think about conspiracy theories? Every week, at the end of these episodes, I give you guys an email to send in some episode requests. And my inbox is full. But by far, the biggest requests from you are conspiracies. So I thought, today, that's exactly what we'd talk about. Today, I'm going to tell you all about some of the weirdest conspiracy theories I have found on the internet. So sit back, relax, and put those tinfoil hats on, cause shit's about to get weird. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Are you ready? It's showtime. Are you guys ready for the very first theory? This theory has been talked about so many times. It's all over YouTube. It is the Denver airport. To begin this theory, let's start with Lucifer. This is a blue statue with glowing red eyes that was commissioned and sculpted by Luis Jimenez. This statue stands at 32 feet tall and weighs 9,000 pounds. Just to let you know, that's very heavy seeing as how most cars don't even weigh close to that. This statue is the center of so much of the conspiracy. You see, Lucifer is murderous. You heard me right, the statue has killed somebody. In 2006, the statue's head fell and hit its 65-year-old sculptor, severing an artery in his leg and killing him. So naturally, because of a freak accident, the statue is now cursed. Or like so it's claimed. However, according to theorists, that is not the only evil thing about this place. Theorists also claim that the Denver airport is nothing but a hub for Satan himself. Okay. The main reason that people say that the Denver airport is so evil is because of some real fucking weird art that is all over the walls. One piece of art is brought up a lot about having some sort of phallic mention. 
I have seen this piece of art when I was looking into this research, and it is a little odd. There is a label on a penguin exhibit that says, Great Auk Alka M. Penis. I'm not kidding. Let me repeat that. It says, Great Auk Alka M. Penis. Which, absolutely, if I read that just in an airport, I'm going to chuckle and think, hmm, that's odd. That says penis. However, this isn't any sort of phallic message out to, I don't know, share Satan himself with, because I don't know, apparently, if anything has to do with a penis, it's, it's Satan related in this theory. That is not the case here. This is just the name of the penguin that is pictured in the exhibit. It states that this penguin went extinct in 1852. However, theorists see the word penis and apparently think Satan. I don't know why, but that's their standing. Now, it's not just this penis penguin piece of art. There are two other pieces that are a bit fucking weird. There are two murals that are in the east and west baggage claims outside of the Great Hall. Each mural is split into two pieces separated by doorways. The first mural is called In Peace and Harmony with Nature, which is said to symbolize environmental destruction versus environmental healing, and it's located in the west side baggage claim. Now the second mural, the one that seems to be, according to theorists, the most evil. This mural is called Children of the World Dream of Peace. This mural depicts a war versus peace theme. It was previously located in the east side baggage claim. And in these murals, there is a gassed masked soldier that wreaks havoc with a gun and a sword. There is also a caravan of refugees trudging onward away from him, a hiding child with a teddy bear and a dead child in someone's arms. And ruins are everywhere. In the second section of that same mural, there is a celebration of many young people with the same soldier now dead below them. Doves rest on his body and his sword is being disassembled by a kid with a hammer. Alright, now without a doubt, I'm gonna say, the art in Denver airport is really fucking weird. But let me just say something as an artist, art is meant to make you feel, whether it be uncomfortable, whether it make you feel like something evil is behind it. Artists always put a piece of themselves into their work. But one thing people tend to forget is artists are also told what to create. We are simply hired to make something that you have seen in your mind and you want. We just put it into fruition for you. So yeah, art's fucking weird. I get it. But that doesn't mean that Satan is hanging around in the Denver airport. Since first man has walked this earth, I have been here To whisper seeds of doubt and evil thoughts into his ear I am the beast, the outcast angel fallen from on high I go by many names, but there is one you can't deny My name is Satan Alright guys, for this next theory, we're going sci-fi Right now, I'm gonna tell you all about how Saddam Hussein had a Stargate I am sure somebody out there who's listening to this podcast has seen an episode or several of Ancient Aliens. And if you have, then I'm sure you've heard of the claims that extraterrestrials have come through and brought advanced technology to our ancient civilizations. But what if extraterrestrials actually brought technology here recently? 
Well, according to exopolitical researcher Michael Sala, the 2003 Iraq war, you guys remember that? Yeah, it has its roots in ancient Samaria. All right, this Michael Sala guy is a doctor, and he states that there is evidence that extraterrestrials brought advanced technology to recent civilizations. And wouldn't you know, one of these recent pieces of technology were stargates. It has been buried for thousands of years. A mystery. A secret. A threshold to the future. Now, for those of you who don't know what a stargate is, a stargate allows matter to pass through instantaneously through basically time and space. Now, Dr. Sala, he believes Saddam was going to use this stargate that these aliens gifted to him to bring back alien weapons in order to use them in his evil plan, well, to destroy the world, you know, that's what all villains want to do. All right, imagine a scenario with me, and seriously, you're going to have to use your imaginations. The U.S. government obtained intelligence that hidden somewhere central in Iraq is an actual stargate placed there by none other than Anunnaki gods of ancient Samaria. In this scenario, when Nibiru, the alleged 12th planet, is closest to Earth, the Anunnaki will take the opportunity to travel to Earth through the same stargate and will set up their encampment right in Iraq. All right, I hope your imaginations are still going because it's about to get real fucking weird, dude. All right, with time running out, President Bush, that's right, that one, invades Iraq. American scientists raid the Iraqi National Museum and close the Stargate. But this frustrates the grandiose ambitions of a self-styled reincarnation of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know how to say that, so we're going to just keep going. Saddam Hussein, that's, it's Saddam, he's like reincarnated of that Nebuchadnezzar dude. That's, 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 that's the main basis here. Okay, back to the, the moment. All right, so President Bush comes in, they stop it all. And this makes the world safe again for none other than the New World Order. So basically in this theory, it's stated that these... Anunnaki's um, gave Saddam Hussein a stargate. Well, obviously, somehow, America is tipped off and our government is like, mm -mm, not on my watch, this is not gonna happen. If anyone's gonna destroy the world, it's gonna be us. So obviously, President Bush isn't gonna send anyone else. He's gonna go take care of it and he busts in right at the last minute. You know, imagine like a Hollywood movie. And bam, they, they, they save the world and the stargate is good. And now, boom, 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 new world order. So like either way, we would have been fucked in this. But the thing is, uh, Dr. Sala, uh, he says this is exactly what happened. And hey, he's a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. Relax. I'm a And now a word from our sponsors. If you've got skin and if you've got hair, then I've got some products for you. How was that for an intro to an ad? On a real note, guys, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about one of my sponsors today. I'd like to tell you all about Doom and Groom. 
This company is a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. All of their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe. Everything is made with the intention of keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. And that's not a joke, guys. I have been using this product for about two and a half weeks now, and I have never had better feeling skin. And the tattoo balm is incredible. I have tattoos on my body that are upwards of 15 years old, and they look like they are maybe two months old. I will never recommend you a product that I have not personally tried or would not spend my own money on. And don't worry, these products are not just for women. All of Doom & Groom products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic, packaged in a reusable metal tin. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go over to doomandgroom.net. Take a gander at their products. See if anything catches your eye. I mean, after all, we might not all have hair, but we all have skin. And just because you're thirsty doesn't mean your skin needs to be. Haha, <laughs> come on. That was a good joke, guys. I know someone out there laughed, and that's all that matters. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use the promo code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off of your purchase. Okay, now that business is out of the way, let's get back to the show, guys. Our next theory is probably my favorite on the list. Bum bum bum! Dinosaurs helped build the pyramids. Welcome to Jurassic Park. That's right, guys. Ancient Egyptians employed dinosaurs to work for them, and together, they built the pyramids. You know what? That reminds me of that, uh, that documentary I used to watch when I was a kid. What was it? It was like a cartoon series. Ah, the Flintstones, that one. Yeah, I didn't realize that was based on, like, true story. That's fucking crazy, man. Okay, enough joking about the theory. Let me go ahead and tell you something that is a bit shocking. This theory actually stems from fact. You see, in 2014, Egypt's Ministry of Antiquities announced that a group of French and Egyptian archaeologists discovered a brand new chamber in the depths of the Great Pyramid of Giza. Authorities revealed that the newly discovered large chamber contained dinosaur bones and wall paintings of dinosaurs resembling velociraptors. These are dinosaurs that lived over 75 million years ago, by the way. The ministry added that the bones were assembled and that the archaeology team concluded that the velociraptor was approximately 1.79 meters in size. So because of the discovery of the tomb and what was inside of it, conspiracy theorists decided to believe that this was the way of the Egyptians paying tribute to those dinosaurs that apparently helped them build the pyramids. When, however, a simple Google search will let people know that the bones were still dated to 75 million plus years ago. While it is unclear why the bones were buried in the chamber, the head of the French archaeologist team, Avril Sop, stated that the wall paintings in the chamber indicate that the bones had been discovered nearly 4,000 years ago by the Egyptians that were working on the construction of the Great Pyramid of Giza. So instead of moving them, they simply put them together, paid tribute, and put them in their own tomb. Sadly, though, the tomb wasn't because the dinosaurs died after helping the Egyptians. 
they were already dead for quite some time. However, despite mountains of evidence proving dinosaurs and people did not coexist and that Egyptians simply found and preserved the bones, this is not enough for theorists. And to them, this is proof that dinosaurs and people absolutely work together. I mean, really, who are we to argue science? <laughs> Come on. Let's move on to theory number four, space Nazis. That's right, guys, you heard it here. Hitler built a Nazi base on the moon. Okay, so somewhere way back when on the far reaches of the internet, there was a conspiracy birthed that the Nazis landed on the moon in 1942. Maybe you've never heard about Hitler's very successful space program and how this led him to create his very own moon base. I really hope you have a great imagination or you're on some really good drugs because this one's gonna get weird. You see, the Nazis didn't really lose World War II. I hate to break it to you, but they didn't. They simply only made it appear that way in order to divert attention from the alliance between the Fourth Reich and the race of aliens known as the Reptilians. Okay, for those of you who don't know what Reptilians are, they're an ancient galactic civilization obsessed with conquest and domination. Also known as lizard people, just fun fact. So. After the German surrender in 1945, the Nazi Reptilian Alliance infiltrates the U.S. military-industrial complex through Operation Paperclip. The Nazis and Reptilians removed their political opponents, such as the Kennedys, and moved into policy-making positions in post-war America, successfully infiltrating aerospace companies, banking, media, and the U.S. government. That includes NASA and the CIA. But... Their real target was not the United States. It wasn't even just the world. It was the solar system. Hold on, give me a second. I made something for you. You ready? Enjoy. Only moments ago, New York has come under attack. Witnesses claim to have seen hundreds of UFOs. It's opening fire! Oh my God! from the moon. <laughs> now once again, this theory is a distortion of historical reality. This reality in itself is already profoundly uncomfortable. Nazi technology and personnel were indeed central to the moon landing. Now for many of us, this isn't news. You see, Werner von Braun is widely known as Hitler's Wunderkind engineer whose V2 rocket rained down on London and Antwerp in the final year of the Second World War. After the war, the technological dividend of victory in Europe proved hard for the United States to resist. Under Operation Paperclip, the U.S. brought over 1,600 V2 engineers and their families. This is absolutely factual. And this, of course, was exactly what Von Braun had been hoping for. As another engineer put it, quote, We despise the French, we are mortally afraid of the Soviets, we do not believe that the British can afford us, so that leaves the Americans. And in time, Von Braun became the face of space age, even beaming an orbital future into living rooms courtesy of Walt Disney. Today, he's remembered for his engineering brilliance and for his Saturn V engine that took Apollo 11 to the moon. 
Von Braun even has a crater on the moon named after him. Now there is no need to focus exclusively on Von Braun. There's also Arthur Rudolph, who worked as project director of the Saturn V engines and won a NASA Distinguished Service Medal. He stated, quote, I read Mein Kampf and I agreed with a lot of things in it. Rudolph told a journalist in 1985 this and went on to say, quote, Hitler's first six years until the war started were really marvelous. Everybody was happy. Oddly enough, Rudolph led the U.S. to avoid prosecution of war crimes. And another, Kurt H. DeBow. Kurt here was the director of NASA Launch Operations, who also has a lunar crater named after him. He joined the Nazi party, the SS, and the SA. And there's Hubertus Stronghold. He is quoted to be the father of space medicine. Hubertus designed Apollo's pressure suit and onboard life systems. However, previously in his Nazi career, he conducted oxygen deprivation experiments on epileptic children. But to Nazi, he was a genius. To the rest of the world, he was a sick fuck. Newly released documents and deathbed confessions from scientists involved in top secret Nazi development paints a picture of a race to develop a supercraft, codenamed Die Glocke, or the Bell, which would have changed the face of history forever. In fact, the idea of the Nazis developing a flying saucer wasn't such a crazy idea at all. They had for years been at the cutting edge of aircraft design, with early prototypes for vertical takeoff jets and even fixed wing and stealth technology. German engineers were and still are among the very best in the world. If they set their hearts and minds on developing, whether it was an aircraft or a submarine or anything new and unusual and superior to what they considered to be their opponents, then I believe it was within their capabilities that there were some very strange, very unusual experimental Nazi aircraft in the air before the war ended. All indications are the Nazis were ahead of all of the Allied nations in terms of technology. First-hand accounts tell us that from as early as the 20s and 30s, their technology far outstripped anything else on the planet. So basically, this whole theory does stem from truth, as many of the conspiracy theories that I read out there do. But like many people, when you assume that you know what you're talking about, it can twist and contort the truth. The fact is, Nazis came to America and successfully helped us get to the moon. This is 100% undeniable. German has always been ahead of America in their technology. And quite frankly, their craftsmanship is so much better. This, however, would not make me hire a Nazi, but I am not the government. I don't do shady shit like that. So because America did bring them over and they did succeed in getting us to the moon, theorists believe now that those same Nazis sent Hitler and a few groups of his buddies to the moon to silently wait and exact their revenge. I feel like now though, at this point, someone should go check on them. Maybe they need some food, some water, I don't know, maybe a little bit of oxygen out there. Nonetheless, I commend them, those space Nazis, because they are playing the long game. Let's keep this crazy train rolling with theory number five. The Beatles were created by the Illuminati to encourage U.S. kids to take drugs and, and to also bring down Christianity and the family unit. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help, 
This theory, known as the Aquarian Conspiracy, was started by former MI6 officer John Coleman in the 1990s. However, it started regaining traction on the 50th anniversary of the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band release. Coleman claims that the band's success really took off with the help from the Tavistock Institute for Human Relations. This is a British organization which studies group behavior. However, conspiracy theorists believe they had a hidden agenda to engineer the world's culture. And I mean, the Beatles, well, they were a sensation, so why not with them? Theorists believe that the Beatles cracking the U.S. market was aided by the Illuminati and the intention of, quote, taking control of education in America with the intent and purpose of utterly and completely destroying it. Coleman claimed that the masterminds of the plot planned to use rock music and drugs to rebel against the status quo, thus undermining and eventually destroying the family unit. Other online theorists have built a theme on this using pictures of the Fab Four and lyrics to prove links to the occult as well. It doesn't matter about people not liking our records or not liking the way we look or what we say. You know, they're entitled to not like us. We're entitled not to have anything to do with them if we don't want to or not to regard them. You know, we've all got our rights, you know. And that's basically all there is to that one. It really seems like if you just throw a few government entities around and add the Illuminati in there, you have a conspiracy theory, my guys. Yeah, is corny with that Illuminati mess. Here we go, crazy train pulling out of the station, moving on to the next. Conspiracy theory number six. Barack Obama could control the weather. Good evening, my fellow Americans. I just want to thank you for your continued faith in my ability. We won! That's my anger translator, Luther. Whoa! Yeah! What's up? <laughs> but I want to wish my opponent, Mitt Romney, well. He ran a good campaign. Take that back to the lab, Mitt, because you lost. Now, we move forward with pressing issues. We're going to pass health care again. Now what, bitches? While we had huge turnout from our faithful supporters. Thank you, black folks. We made it to two elections in a row, man. Now how hard was that? All your votes were crucial in this victory. White people who voted for me, you are all now honorary black people. So thank you for your support. And f you if you tried to f me. I mean, you know how much money they tried to spend to get rid of this? Millions, son. I said millions. But you couldn't get rid of a Oh, no. Yeah, can't touch no. this. Luther, uh, no, Luther, what I tell you, no hammer dancing. Come on, B! We won, let's do it, dog! No, I'm, yeah. uh, I, I told yeah. you, I don't want you doing it wrong. You gotta get it right. Oh. If you're gonna do it, God bless America. Oh, that's right, that's right. Say it, though, say it! Now, I, I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. A number of theorists believe that Obama created Hurricane Sandy roughly a week before he was reelected. They say he did this all in some evil scheme to ensure he would take home the victory. Which I mean, like, it worked if he did, because he won. Congrats, Obama. Miss you. Sorry if you're not an Obama fan. I don't care. Don't let politics make you judge my podcast. Thank you. Be an adult. You see, sites like Infowars, the Intel Hub, and Confuracy News with a Z all posted stories alleging that the high-frequency active aerial research program, or HARP helped the president engineer Sandy. HARP is a research program managed by the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Navy. 
It studies and conducts experiments relating to the ion sphere and upper atmosphere. As NASA explains on its website, the ion sphere is important because it often reflects radio waves and scatters GPS signals, leading to a, quote, big impact on communications and navigations on Earth. Well, because of this, people not knowing what they're talking about and allowing fear to judge everything in their head, conspiracy theorists have blamed HARP for a number of natural events over the years. Saying that the government uses Alaska-based program to manipulate the weather with the help of electromagnetic waves. InfoWars went on to publish a story arguing that Sandy will undoubtedly produce widespread chaos and present an ideal opportunity for Obama to come off as a strong and decisive leader. Or maybe he just was. Following the perfect storm, wrote InfoWars' Kurt Nemo, the establishment media will naturally provide all the propaganda Obama needs to sweep the election on Tuesday, November 6th, a week after the hurricane is projected to hit. As proof of Nemo's bold statement, he noted that HarpStatus.com, a site that claims to detect frequency on the ion sphere, is reporting unprecedented levels of harp frequency above the eastern coast at the time when, when Sandy was heading their way. However, again, if people just did a little bit of some research, they would find out that HarpStatus.com appears to have absolute no actual connection with harp. Like, none at all. However, despite this information, conspiracy theorists still continue to believe that this and many more weather-controlling conspiracies involve HARP themselves. In a piece on the nonprofit website Skeptic.com in March 2010, aerospace and computer engineer David Natatich explained why he believes conspiracy theorists love to blame HARP. He states, and I quote, It is a gigantic, high-energy, Pentagon-funded gizmo located in the remote Alaskan wilderness that plays around with the Earth's ion sphere. He then added, But whose purpose seems deeply mysterious in the scientifically uninformed? Now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, but none of the theorists that I could see could clear this up for me. Did Obama leave that for the rest of the presidents to come along and use? Anyone who believes in this theory, write my email. Let me know. Did he leave that technology for them? Or did he take it with him and Michelle when they left the White House? Anyway, as always, I want to close on a more serious note. You know, I often joke about tensions between me and the press, but uh, honestly, what they say doesn't bother me. I understand we've got an adversarial system. I'm a mellow sort of guy. And that's why I invited Luther, my anger translator, to join me here tonight. In our fast-changing world, traditions like the White House Correspondents' Dinner are important. I mean, really? What is this dinner? And why am I required to come to it? Jeb Bush, do you really want to do this? Because despite our differences, we count on the press to shed light on the most important issues of the day. And we can count on Fox News to terrify old white people with some nonsense. Sharia lies coming to claim it right for the damn hills. That was ridiculous. 
We won't always see eye to eye. Oh, and CNN, thank you so much for the wall-to-wall Ebola coverage. For two whole weeks, we were one step away from the walking dead. And then y'all got up and just moved on to the next day. That was awesome. Oh, and by the way, just if you haven't noticed, you don't have Ebola! But I still deeply appreciate the work that you do. Mexico, and then I plugged it. Remember that? Which Obama's Katrina was that one? Was, it, was that 19 or was it, what, what, was it 20? Because I came around, can't remember. All right, guys, let's go ahead without wasting any time and jump into the next theory. John Lennon was killed by none other than Stephen King. He was shot late this evening in front of his apartment building in New York City. Apparently, he was killed almost immediately. The man who shot John Lennon walked up to the musician as he was leaving his limousine. According to eyewitnesses, he said, Mr. Lennon, and then fired at him point blank at least five times. According to a man by the name of Steve Lightfoot and his website, LennonMurderTruth.com, it's a real site, you can go there. On Lightfoot's website, he states that contrary to all reports about a lone drifter named Mark David Chapman, who, quote, allegedly shot John Lennon in the back on December 8th, 1980, he says that you'll find ample evidence that this is just simply untrue. He states that in the back of the issues of Time, Newsweek, and U.S. News and World Report magazines, there suggests something otherwise is at work. Mainly, that John Lennon was not only politically assassinated, but that Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and you'd better, you gotta sit down, sit down. Horror novelist Stephen King are the three people who can be proven guilty of the murder of John Lennon. Lightfoot goes on to state that King is the real murderer and Chapman is nothing but a lookalike. Simply a paid actor misleading you with an absolute hoax. The media is all in tow. Now, as I stated, you can go to the site for yourself and check it out, but it really boils down to what this man thinks are a string of subliminal messages. And the quote, real proof, he says, is that, well, basically, it's just that Stephen King and the man who actually shot John Lennon, Mark Chapman, they kind of, like, resemble each other. But honestly, like, not really either. I can see it in maybe, like, two, three photos. But let's not forget something. Mark Chapman admitted he shot John Lennon. Let me just refresh your memory. Probably because you weren't alive. I wasn't, so here you go. Welcome back to Larry King Live with Mark David Chapman. Mark, will you relive with us those uh, terrible moments for you, for the world, for a lot of people uh, around and in circles close to John Lennon? What happened that night? Well, if you want to pick it up from the night, uh, I was standing there with a gun in my pocket Knew you were going to shoot him? Sorry? Knew you were going to shoot him? Absolutely. Now, I'm not going to lie, the site is a little fun to kind of look around and just check out. And the site does have a letter that Lightfoot claims is signed by Stephen King himself. And in this letter, wouldn't you know, he admits to the murder. Also on the site, he shows a series of really confusing and nonsensical string of messages that he states are also from King himself admitting his guilt. Honestly, it's very confusing and really makes very little sense. But hey, you could reach out to Steve too if you'd like and even buy a copy of his evidence magazine by sending him a check or money order for $10 to the address he has listed on his website. 
Or you can be like me and just look at the website. It's all there and it's absolutely free. And I mean, who doesn't like free? I hope you guys are ready to keep this going because I've got the next theory right here for you. The Earth is hollow. I bet you didn't know that. For centuries, there has been a legend of a land untouched by time. Authors have written about it. Explorers have vanished searching for it. And one man will set out to discover the truth. A journey to the center of the Earth. It wasn't just science fiction. It's inspiration. I want to start this by saying that hollow earth is probably one of the biggest belief theories that I am sharing with you in this list. So you see, the hollow earth concept is proposing that the planet earth is entirely hollow or contains a substantial interior space. This theory was notably suggested by Edmund Haley in the late 17th century. Now, the notion has since been disproved. First, tantively by Pierre Bouguer in 1740, then definitively by Charles Hutton in his Schelehan experiment. I really don't know how to say that, so I'm going to say Schelehan because I, I can't say that. I'm sorry. Feel free to use Wikipedia and practice saying it yourself so you can sound like a fool like I did. However, despite Charles doing that in 1774, it was still occasionally defended through the mid-19th century most notably by John Cleve Sims Jr. and Jeremiah N. Reynolds. However, by this time, it was part of a popular, like, pseudoscience and no longer a scientifically viable hypothesis. The concept of a hollow Earth still recurs in folklore and science fiction and a subgenre of adventure fiction. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the center of the Earth. I'm going to fill you in on the evidence that it contradicts the hollow earth theory. But at the end, I'm going to tell you why it can't be disproven. And that is exactly what science states. It can't technically be disproven, although they state it can't be possible. So let's talk about this evidence. First, there is the seismic evidence. The picture of the structure of the earth has been arrived at through the study of seismic waves, and it's quite different from a fully hollow earth. The time it takes for seismic waves to travel through and around the Earth directly contradicts a fully hollow sphere. The evidence indicates the Earth is mostly filled with solid rock. There's a mantle, a crust, liquid nickel-iron alloy, the outer core, and solid nickel-iron, the inner core. But if seismic isn't enough for you, let me tell you how gravity also proves it. Another set of scientific arguments against a hollow Earth or any hollow planet comes from gravity. Massive objects tend to clump together gravitationally, thus in turn creating a non-hollow spherical object such as stars and planets. This solid spheroid is the best way in which to minimize the gravitational potential energy of rotating physical object. Having a hollowness is unfavorable in this. In addition to the simple fact that ordinary matter is not strong enough to support a hollow shape of a planetary size against the force of gravity, a planet-sized hollow shell with the known observed thickness of the Earth's crust would not be able to achieve hydrostatic equilibrium with its own mass 
it would collapse within itself. However, it doesn't matter what science states because theorists will hold on to this theory as long as they can due to the fact that as it stands right now, drilling holes into our earth, the crust itself, does not provide direct evidence against the hollow earth hypothesis. You guys, I'm not kidding. This is 100% true. We cannot disprove the hypothesis, but science tells us it is impossible. You see, the deepest hole drilled to date is the Kola Super Deep Borehole, with a true vertical drill depth of more than 7.5 miles, or 12 kilometers. However, the distance to the center of the Earth is nearly 4,000 miles, or 6,400 kilometers. Oil wells with longer depths are not vertical wells. Because if you're like me, you probably thought, wait a second, what about oil rigs? Those bitches go deep. But they don't like you think they do. Their total depths are quoted at measuring a depth MD or equivalently a, a long hole depth, which is known as AD. So to measure a hole, you have the measured depth and then the a long hole depth. These walls of the dig are deviated horizontally. Now their true vertical depth is typically less than 2.5 miles or 4 kilometers. So they don't even get close to the center of the earth. Take a journey to a place you'd never imagine. Journey to the center of the earth. Here we are, our final theory in today's episode. And I have saved the best for last. Dum, 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 dum. We're talking space dinosaurs. Dinosaurs in space. All right, guys, pull those tinfoil hats real snug and tight. And let's talk about this one. This theory states that dinosaurs never really went extinct. Instead, they escaped somehow into space. Which I cannot tell you at all because this is not cited anywhere in the theory. It doesn't explain how. I'm just assuming that somehow they managed to build UFOs or rockets, depending on which theorists you ask, and they left our planet. But they didn't just escape. Or maybe, you know, go to the moon and hang out with Hitler and his boys in space. Nazis from the moon. Hi, I'm the baby, brand new, just out, gotta love me, come on, gotta love me. This theory goes much deeper than just them going out to space. You see, when the dinosaurs fled into space, they happened to meet up with some sort of alien race. It's often noted in this theory that the alien race were the reptilians. You see, the reptilians are known for their ability to shapeshift. Yeah, so we're mixing conspiracies, by the way, in this one. <laughs> These reptilians are everywhere, guys. The race of reptilians, or lizard people, if you will. So, this alien race taught the dinosaurs how to disguise themselves as human, which apparently allowed the dinosaurs to return millions of years later, play the slow game, and apparently make up all the lies about climate control, and now they are who are really in control of our media. <laughs> And that is all I can tell you about that theory. You see, some of these theories I could find truth in. I would find the facts that people read and distorted, or maybe they didn't read and just heard something by word of mouth. Or maybe they just believed something in their head that simply wasn't true. Look, I'm here to tell you I love a good conspiracy. Hell, I'll sit and listen to all of your evidence, all of your proof, and all of what you believe are findings. 
But that doesn't mean I'm not going to research and find out if science or anything can explain what you're talking about. Now, does it mean that that's always the answer? No. But I'm going to go ahead and believe that science is correct that the earth isn't hollow. Just because I can't go 4,000 miles into the earth to prove that it isn't hollow doesn't mean the earth is not hollow. Just because I can't walk into Fox's news station and ask those dinosaurs to show me the truth doesn't mean that dinosaurs aren't running Fox News Network. To be fair, dinosaurs are on the news. It's just old people. So I guess there is some factual evidence to this theory, just maybe not in the way the theorists are hoping. Nonetheless, all of these theories on this list have been a blast to go through. This was probably my favorite episode to research to date. I know I have said that before, but every episode just gets better and better. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, because I really fucking did, dude. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Very little, I'm afraid. Would you like to? He's looking at you, kid. Come on, let's share gas. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Go ahead and take off those tinfoil hats, guys, because you have reached the end of the episode. Thank you to every one of you that sent in messages requesting that I do an episode on conspiracies because this one was for you. If you'd like to send in a case or a request, maybe a mystery you know of, maybe you just want to tell me what I can do to improve your experience while you're listening to the podcast every week. I would love to see what you have to say and your recommendations, so you can send me an email at what's the actual EFF harmony at gmail.com. I can't promise I'll write you back, but I can promise I'll read your messages. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I cannot wait to make more of these like this for you in the future. I look forward to our weekly meetings, guys. I really and truly do. I cannot wait to talk to you again. So with that, I'll see you in the next episode of what's the actual F. Stay safe, guys. Sweet screams. Love you.